Kia ora. It's Friday 12th of July 2019 and welcome to the Week in Tax. I'm Terry Boucher, Taxpert and Director of Boucher Consulting Limited, a tax consultancy helping optimise tax for small businesses, individuals, overseas investments and other professionals. This week, the official cash rate goes down but inland revenue interest rates rise, the costs of compliance for small businesses and the Productivity Commission on Local Government Finance. This week, the use of money interest rates payable uh, on underpayments and overpayments of tax were increased with effect from 29th of August 2019. Now, you may recall that on the 8th of May this year, the official cash rate was lowered by 25 basis points to 1.5%. So the revenues decision to increase um, the rate of underpaid tax, use of money interest on underpaid tax from 8.22% to 8.35% um, is caused everyone by surprise. And just to mat rub the matters in, the rate of tax, um, rate of interest for overpayments of tax will decrease from 1.02% to 0.81%, a 7.54 percentage point differential. That's the largest uh, on record since 2009 when the rates, the respective rates were 14.24% for underpaid tax and sign of the devil 6.66% for overpaid tax. Now, in 2009, inland revenue changed the way its approach to, um, to use of money interest rates. Now, the, the rates are reviewed regularly in line with, so they are supposed to keep in line with market interest rates. And the last review happened in March 2017. And what the revenue is saying is that the new rates are consistent with floating first rate, first mortgage, new customer housing rate, and the 90 day bill rate, bank bill rate. And they sort of add 250 basis points for the mortgages and take off 100 basis points for the bank bill rate. <clears throat> now, the thing is though, this is a bit of uh, a real surprise um, coming in the wake of the OCR cut. And what transpires that these rates that were reviewed in April, and they take a couple of months to process, and they will take another couple of months to come into effect, or rather at the end of next month, 28, uh, 29th of August. And the reason they choose 29th of August, by the way, it's the day after the first provisional tax payment date for the current 2019-20 year happens. So that makes it nice and consistent. Everyone knows that provisional tax date, pay late, you've got uh, use of money interest to pay. But, and by the way, um, all right, if, you, if you're feeling outraged enough about the uh, rate of underpaid tax, bear in mind, that if you are late paying your tax, you're still subject to a late payment penalty. And that late payment penalty is an immediate 1%. And if it still hasn't been paid within seven days, another further four percentage points added on. So a total of 5% inside a week. And then 1% per month thereafter. And this is why I've seen, I regularly experience it myself, other tax agencies see this time and time again, People fall into arrears very quickly um, with uh, tax and penalties, and the penalties accelerate away rapidly. Um, 
and people just give up. And here's the thing. In 2013, I saw a paper from Inland Revenue which compared the uh, effectiveness of payments are made on time uh, in New Zealand with other jurisdictions. And other jurisdictions, like for example, Australia does not have a late payment penalty, but New Zealand did. There was no discernible difference. New Zealand taxpayers were not prompter in paying tax than any other taxpayers, even though we had the higher penalties. So in other words, in short, the penalty regime, late payment penalty regime doesn't work. Inland revenue knows it doesn't work, and yet they're still persistent with it. So that's something very frustrating that something is carrying on like because taxpayers, tax agents, we spend a lot of time trying to sort out this mess. A lot is get written off uh, to basically just a massive waste of time. And here also is something, the other matter is that this, this increase in the use of money interest rates at a time when the official cash rate has come down and there are expectations that it will be reduced again is odd. It also speaks of a little bit of not paying attention to the optics. It's not a great look. It, the Inland Revenue's release said, we last looked at this in March 2017, we're supposed to review it uh, regularly. And that's fine, they should be doing that. But once you've done that, if you started doing it in April and in the middle of that process, the OCR gets cut, surely someone somewhere in management, Inland Revenue Management would have said, hang on here, the OCR has just been cut and you're telling us we should be increasing the, um, the rates based on the rates that existed prior to that cut? Doesn't make a lot of sense. And uh, I, I would think that perhaps there's been a quiet, please explain between the revenue minister and the commissioner of revenue, who knows. But it leads on to another topic. Uh, it talks about cost of compliance. And interestingly, the revenue regularly looks at this and just has just released a report on um, the cost of compliance for small businesses. And it's, uh, I'll put the link up on the, um, with the podcast. Um, what it's showing is that it's made, it's taken as a baseline it, it, since 26, 2013, prior to when it started the business transformation program. And obviously it's chosen that so it can show that the business, pro business transformation program is having the effect of reducing compliance costs for businesses. What it's saying is that um, since 2016, the amount of time um, the that taxpayers are spending, or the medium amount of time that taxpayers are spending on um, dealing with uh, tax compliance, it has stayed the same about 27 hours. In 2013, annually, um, in 2013, it was 36 hours, but costs have risen because of inflation and the internal costs of that. Um, and that is because of the basically inflation and the use external external advisors. And it is noted, for example, that the um, external cost of advisors has gone up from an estimated $1,000 in 2016 to $1380 in 2018. By the way, this survey was of over 6,000 small businesses, so it's statistically very sound. It's actually one, probably one of the more comprehensive surveys around. Um, we know from my time on the Small Business Council that there's not a lot of work being done in this space for micro-businesses, that is people with under five employees, five or fewer employees. 
So, but here Inland Revenue is actually someone who is surveying that space. And the interesting thing here, which I think all policymakers should be keeping in mind, is that um, Inland Revenue, the people are saying, yep, yeah, dealing with Inland Revenue is getting a bit easier, it's roughly the same, you know, it's roughly the same, getting a bit easier. However, we're, we're having a lot more compliance from other matters, health and safety uh, was mentioned particularly, and um, local government. Um, so there is uh, issues there still going on around compliance. And the revenues philosophy behind the business transformation problem is to make it easier for taxpayers to deal with inland revenue. Um, but as I've said before, and we'll keep saying until someone actually starts addressing this issue, it, the business transformation program doesn't, hasn't taken into account how tax agents will work with inland revenue and how we use the system. We've, and a couple of things came up in this, this week with other tax agents, which should be quite concerning. One is it's difficult to transfer, it's more difficult to transfer uh, refunds around between years because the revenue system has been set up to basically clear, if there's a credit, it gets cleared quickly. If you're dealing directly with the taxpayer, that's fantastic. And for people who are wanting refunds, et cetera, that's what they want to see. They want to say, bang, my refund's due, being repaid, great. But with tax, people with tax agents have more complicated matters. And sometimes they have linked entities. And we will be doing other matters like shuffling money or refunds around. Um, so, uh, for example, we might say, right, there's a refund due here. We'll shuffle it across for the husband. We'll shuffle it across to the wife or to the company, or the company's refund, we'll pass it out to the uh, wife, uh, husband and wife shareholders. Um, at present, revenue systems don't um, are making that difficult or more difficult. The other thing that they've started doing as well, is a little bit more concerning, is that they're making use of a provision in the Tax Administration Act to divert funds that are re a refund that may be due to meet a liability that is coming. So, for example, someone may have an income tax refund, a taxpayer may have an income tax refund for the March 2019 year, but they've got a GST liability coming up for the 31st of July um, period. And what we're seeing, some tax agents are reporting this, that they're seeing refunds being diverted and pushed across to meet that tax payable, even though it's not actually due until um, the specific date. In the case of a, a GST period to 31 July, it's due on the 28th of August. Revenue, so this is causing consternation, and it can actually cause a bit of a hiccup. Taxpayers may be saying, well, I've set up a, re, uh, a payment to go through to meet that GST liability and they're expecting the income tax refund to come in to fund it, or more often than not, the income tax refunds going off to meet other costs, and they got, suddenly get hit, caught out of pocket. Um, or and this, this is a matter that inland revenue has, has been a bit slow to address, and it's probably only just now starting to come up on tax agents' um, minds and, and processing that, that matter and how to respond to it. Um, so, it's a bit of a frustrating thing that on one hand, the inland revenues efficiencies uh, have gains for people. Uh, on the other hand, they have inefficient, they, they, they actually are producing inefficiencies for other people. Uh, interesting, by the way, the revenue do know that most 
of these business advisors, uh, small businesses do have um, external advisors in this space. One point they did notice though, was barely 10% were using some form of payroll service. And I think that is something that people really ought to consider a lot more because of the payday filing matter uh, where you are expected to tell in on revenue um, the day you know, file details of any pay you make on the day that it is made. You don't necessarily have to pay the PAYE the same day, although larger organizations will be. Um, that is something that's caused a lot of consternation in smaller businesses. But there are payroll services around. We use one, Smart, Smart Payroll, which can help you with that. And that's something that the tax working group was also keen to help um, suggest. One of its recommendations was perhaps to think about providing um, some form of so subsidy for using software as a service and cloud-based accounting systems. Now, speaking of the tax working group, it made recommendations that the um, to consider the taxation of vacant land. Um, should point to this, and the government responded by asking the Productivity Commission to have a look at that particular matter. Now, the Productivity Commission is currently looking at has just released a draft report on local government and the financing of local government. It's a 306-page document. There's plenty to chew in there. And there's related papers as well, including an interesting looking one from um, Oliver Shaw. That's the firm, including Robin Oliver, ex-commissioner, uh, deputy commissioner of Inland Revenue and ex-member of the tax working group, which looks at local government financing. Now, this is a matter which may seem a bit arcane, but I think has big implications for small businesses. Because if you recall earlier, I was saying that small businesses were complaining about compliance. And and including local government compliance. And in the matter here, the Productivity Commission has talked about local what source funding sources are available to local government. And for example, about 5% of total revenue, according to the Productivity Commission, comes from regulatory income. Rates provide about 47%. Um, and then you've got sales and user charges, which bring from 13% of revenue. And so the pressure on local government is um, ever growing as populations grow and they get dumped on or they feel they get dumped on by central government. But so one of the things that was, as I said, mentioned minutes ago, the government asked the Productivity Commission to look into the question of how do we tax, should we have a tax on vacant land? And this Productivity Commission's report actually rather kicks out down the road because it's invited for submissions on that particular topic. Um, what it has said on that is that it thinks, um, so it's not made any specific recommendations, and we'll see some when the final report is produced, I think, later this year. But it, its comments on taxation of vacant land are uh, that it does incentivize the use, productive use of land, so it discourages land banking. However, it sees issues around the definition of vacant land and possibly that there's not much revenue in it, um, which probably is um, a bit frustrating from the government's viewpoint because it wants to be seen to be dealing with something which anecdotally, uh, if nothing else, um, is causing consternation uh, in the wider community and 
does it have an impact? Does land banking of vacant land have an impact on the housing price of housing? So we'll watch this space. Uh, in that space, and just picking up a point I said last, brought up last week, I expect to see more inland revenue activity and audit activity on, say, the, in enforcing the bright line test and other related tests um, for the taxation of land. And finally, from the call a spade a bloody shovel file, Australia is in the process of passing a number of tax bills which very definitely fall within that category. Two of these bills, two such bills, include the Treasury Laws Amendment, making sure multinationals pay their fair share of tax in Australia and other measures bill, 2019, and my favourite, the Treasury Laws Amendment, tax relief so working Australians keep more of their money bill, 2019. They really say what they do on the tin. And I was just thinking, maybe following the Aussie example, could we expect the keep the multinational bastards honest bill sometime? That's it for the week in tax. I'm Terry Boucher, and you can find this podcast on my website, www.boucher.tax, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're now on iTunes. Please send me your feedback and tell your friends and clients. Until next time, have a great week. Hakiti Anna.